Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, so I've been processing a question for some time now, okay? And uh, it's come up into a teaching. And the question is, does it really matter what we say? Does it really matter? You know, we have this... uh, old proverb. It's actually a a considered proverb that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And people take that as like wisdom that they live by. And the Bible is very clear in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What is that saying? It's saying that your tongue produces words that come out of your mouth that are seeds that go down into the heart and they go deep and they bring forth fruit. So anyways, I've I've really been processing because I've watched how we treat one another by the things that we say sometimes. And I'm like, okay, does that really uh, affect people? I'd say yes. There are things that I still hear to this day that were said to me as a little boy that traumatized me and all of it comes back when I hear whatever it was that was said at that time. Yeah, it does matter. You know what I mean? And so anyways, I want to go ahead and define a few things. The first thing I want to define, and now the word tongue is used in James chapter 3, right? We, we all know this. But for the Greek, I want to use the word mouth instead. Okay? So uh, in Greek, the word for mouth is stoma. It means a weapon. It's actually a picture of a sword that your mouth is a weapon. Sort of goes along with what we're going to talk about right after this, where there's life and there's death in it. Why? A sword can protect and a sword can destroy. Um, and for, in Hebrew, the word for tongue, which is used in Proverbs 18.21, is lashon. So death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So just the word in of itself would be enough. We wouldn't even need to hear the rest of that verse. Listen to this. So, Lamid, Shin, Vav, Nun. Lamid is a picture of a shepherd's staff, which means authority. Who has authority? The shepherd or the sheep? The shepherd. Shin is a picture of teeth, which means to destroy. Vav is a picture of a hook or a nail, which joins two things together or to establish something. And noon is a picture of fish darting through the water that represents being alive or life. So the tongue has the authority to destroy and or establish life. I mean, think about it. Go back to the account in Genesis. He created everything by his words. So let's go ahead. So we're either speaking a blessing or we're speaking a curse with our words, right? Okay, so the word for curse in Hebrew is kebab. No, not a kebab like you would put, you know, meat and vegetables on and eat. Okay, and it means to stab with accusation. You know, I've been in the church for 20 years. And one thing I've realized, a lot of times the enemy doesn't even have a job to do anymore because we do it for him. And me, myself, I'm talking to myself. Uh, Me and Nikki had a conversation um, that is private, but... 
We talked about, and I even openly admitted some things. Hey, I shouldn't be saying those things. And of course, she agreed with me. She didn't have a problem with that. But you, you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not, there's, there's no condemnation coming out here. I'm just trying to make us more aware of something. And the good news is it's not about your willpower to say the right instead of the wrong. Good news. I'm going to show you how it works in a second, but that's not, that's not the answer. Well, I'm going to choose to say the right thing. Yeah, by the end of the day, you've already failed. Because that's not how it works. Okay? And then... The word for bless is Baruch. Everybody say Baruch. Baruch, Baruch, Baruch. Okay, so uh, in, in the Strong's, it'll be Barak. This is the way the Jews say it, and I like the way they say it. It sounds better, Baruch, okay? Um, so it has a bet, a resh, and a kaf. A bet and a resh is bar, means son. And a cough is a picture of the open hand. So Jesus is the son and he opens his hand and puts it over you and blesses you. Now what's interesting, it says blessing and cursing. James 3.10. Blessing and cursing coming out of the same fountain. Really, he's talking about the mouth, which the tongue's in the mouth. Brethren, these things ought not be so. You know what the context is? You bless God the Father, but you curse men that have been made in the similitude of God. What, you, what is a curse is you saying that what God says about who we are and what we have, you say the exact opposite. That's a curse. In other words, somebody fails, well, you're not the righteousness of God anymore. You just curse that person. What you should have said is, yes, you did fail, but you are still the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ apart from your works. And actually, removing that condemnation will empower them not to continue to walk in it. But piling up condemnation on them, as you're going to see with the, with, the, with the story of the adulterous woman, okay, that it continued to prolong that and center in that direction of life. So how does this all work? But I want you to remember that. Blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. These things ought not to be so. You're blessing God, but you're cursing man. You know, it, do, you know, do you know what the scripture says with, with Paul? And he says, as Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, so are we in this world. To say anything but that, you are cursing somebody. So how does it all work? Hebrews 13, 19. It is a good thing that the heart be established in law. No. I was just saying, everybody gets early. I get it. It's a good thing that the heart be established in grace. That word, that word established in the Greek literally means to be stable, to have a stable heart. You know, we can have an unstable heart because of two different doctrines warring on in the inside. And it'll cause our behavior to be unstable. But the heart to be established in grace. When it says it's a good thing, if you go look that Greek word up, it's the best thing. It's the best thing for the heart to be established in grace. So every time you put yourself... Under the hearing of grace, those words are seeds that go down into your heart. They go deep down in roots, and then all of a sudden, it sprouts up, and it starts bringing forth fruit. What's the next verse? This is how it works. Luke 6, uh, 6.45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your heart is established in grace, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Grace 
grace, grace to yourself and to those that are around you. Isn't it so simple? You know God calls us trees? He says we're like trees planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also should not wither and whatever we do shall prosper. Do you know that water that we're by? That's grace. Jesus, Jesus said, I am the living water. And he told the Samaritan woman, he goes, you, if you would ask me, I'd give you water and you'd never thirst again. What do you think that is? It's grace. Jesus came to bring grace and truth. And all truth is, is the unveiling of the grace that was there since the beginning of time that God had towards mankind that he wanted to give them. But we were at enmity with God in our minds and it was hard for us to receive because we didn't think God could be that good. So as we freely receive, we freely give, even love. Jesus gave, he goes, I give you one new commandment. Here's the imperative here. One new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And it's all in the present tense. Love one another as I have loved you. God's not saying, go love that person, then I'll love you. He's saying, I already love you, and I couldn't love you any more than I love you right now. Now receive that love and go love one another. The gospel is so simple, and we want to complicate it. So it says, as you freely receive, freely give. Listen to this. So freely is Dorian. It means without a cause. In other words, you know how we sort of work, you know, in our everyday life. You're like, well, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It, that's with a cause. This is without a cause. Why? Because God did it without a cause. He didn't have an agenda. Do you know God is love? He can't help but to love us. It wasn't like God had this agenda, well, it, I'll love him if. No agenda. Listen to this. When we do things for people, it shouldn't be with an agenda. It should be without an agenda. Why? Because we freely received, so we freely give. Then it goes in, the word receive is lambano. This is the present tense, right? So as you receive without a cause, give without a cause. Doesn't that just make things so much more simpler? And it all starts with you sitting under the teaching of grace and those seeds going into your heart and it bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit. That's where it all starts. All you have to do is show up and receive. That's it. And it doesn't have to be just Bible study or just church. You could buy a Joseph Prince book and you could read a couple of chapters every day. Well, guess what you did? You just set yourself up for those seeds to go down into your heart. Ah. Listen, don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. So the you that have been doing it, you're like, Eric, where's the promise at? That's what God says. Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. And guess what? When you got grace in there, you can't lose heart. It's coming. So uh, Ephesians 4, 29 and 30, love these scriptures. Listen to this. Here's an instruction from Paul. Let no corrupt words, spartus, means worthless. Let no worthless words. You know what, Paul, if you go back and look at the context, you know what's worthless? The law. For a believer, the law is worthless. Oh, the law has benefit for somebody that hasn't accepted Christ. It will bring them to their very end and they'll see they need Jesus. But for us that are in Christ, 
The law is worthless. It has no benefit to us whatsoever. It was always and always will be the ministry of condemnation and death. So listen to this. Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but that which edifies, domico, it literally means to build a house from the foundation up. Your word should be building people up, not tearing people down. My word should be building people up, not tearing people down. Well, Eric, you don't understand what they did. We're going to get to that. I'm going to answer some questions today. We're going to get to that. Listen to this. But that which edifies that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Minister grace. Minister grace. Minister grace. Are you getting this? Minister's grace. What's grace? Undeserved, unmerited favor. You failed, that's all right. God loves you. And guess what? He'll give you his goodness that you don't deserve. And that goodness will lead you to repentance. Like I told you the other week about Rose, the African-American girl that uh, I just spoke life over her every time I saw her. And I gave her opportunities to show her value. And little by little, the 40s went away. The weed smoking went away. The way she talked went away. And she totally changed and went out and her whole life was changed. And I never once had to correct her the way we think we need to correct people. By the way, just in case you're wondering about does God correct, absolutely God corrects. Do you, know what it's, do you know what he says? Every son whom he loves, he chastens. It's the Greek word padio. It means to child train, as you would train a child. And, it's, and if you go back to Proverbs, train a child in the way that he should go and feed him from grace. And when he gets older or she gets older, he or she won't depart from it. Think about this. You're trying to get your child healthy, and they go out and, and, and uh, eat food that isn't healthy. Giving them law would be giving them more food that isn't healthy. <laughs> but your goal is to get them healthy, but you're giving them more food that won't get them healthy. Let that one hit you in a second. And then listen to what it says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. And so this is a conjunction here. This is, this is two things that are one thing. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, which you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Guess what? That word grieve, it literally means a lack of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. When you're not speaking grace, but you're speaking law, or you're condemning people, or you're accusing people, that shows your lack of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're intimate with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be speaking grace that builds up people. I love how he said that. Hey, and even if you are doing this, don't worry. You're still sealed with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Why? Because it's grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. So we're going to give two examples. Actually, three. One's going to be Jesus, one's going to be Paul, and one's going to be my father. About how they dealt with situations that we are, would be appalled by in this day and age. So let's start with Jesus. So everybody knows the woman caught in adultery, right? We've all heard that story a thousand times, okay? So basically Jesus, uh, people have followed him and he sits down and he starts to teach him and the Pharisees come bring a woman and throw her before him and says, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? Now, this woman 
is a picture of Israel. And what's getting ready to happen to her is what Jesus is going to do for all of Israel. By the way, it is also a picture of us and what God has already done for all of us. And the context here is he's getting ready to remove the law from over her so that she won't go and live in sin no more. Because the law is the ministry of condemnation and death. Now, let me give you a little reality. What did this look like? I mean, could you imagine if you were sitting there and Jesus is teaching and they went and threw this woman before you? What does this look like? It says the woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, do you know the Babylonian Talmud, which, no, it's not Bible, but it's pretty authentic and we can go and we can learn some things from it, Okay. Do you know what it says? If there was a woman that had committed adultery, they could go find her, strip her from the waist up, beat her, throw her down, and have her judged before men, and then stoned to death, and left as a rock pile for any other women that would think about committing adultery. So imagine this woman, how traumatic this was for her. How much trauma have we been through? How many times have we been thrown before the judges and condemned? It's a traumatic experience. Don't let me get into who this woman is and why she was the way she was, because that's a whole different teaching. But let me tell you what, if you were in her shoes, you would have done the same exact thing. Well, Eric, I wouldn't have done what she did. Really? That's like saying you were, you, if you were Adam, you would have never sinned. Just a little something for you. That was God's perfect choice was Adam, and he already knew he was going to sin. How do we know that? Because it says in Revelations that before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was already crucified. That means the redemption process was already in place before man was ever created. Amen? Okay. So I love Jesus because he knew exactly what to say. And, and without going through all the different stuff, he finally said, hey, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. I mean, I love it. What genius words. Who comes up with this kind of stuff? Because most people would have been intimidated. See, what they were trying to get him to do is trying to get him to establish the law in that woman's life that it would condemn her to death. They didn't care anything about that woman. All they wanted to do was trying to find accusation for Jesus. Let me tell you about what religion will do. Religion doesn't care about people. All it cares about is being right. That's it. Doesn't care about people. It's true. So, do you know what it says happened? From the greatest, the rabbis, to the least, their disciples... They all took off. <laughs> they had nothing to say. See, I, I had this pastor tell me that Jesus broke the law. <laughs> he did. Jesus did break the law. He healed on the Sabbath. That was breaking law. He's the one who wrote the law. If he wants to take that and void that and go in and heal somebody, he can do whatever he wants because he's the one who wrote the law. So Jesus was the only one that could condemn her to death, but he wouldn't. And all the Pharisees that would condemn her to death couldn't. 
Now here's the question we're going to get to answer to. So then he goes, woman, where are your accusers? Is there not anyone left to condemn you? He goes, no. He goes, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's been a big topic in the church for a long time, especially people that don't really get the grace message. What, are the, what is going on there? What is, what's happening? I want to answer this question for you guys this morning. All right. And we're going to look at the, some Greek, you know, to help us to better understand it. So he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So the whole context is this is a picture of Israel under the law. And under the law, the law condemns them to death. And there's nothing they can do to get out of it. But Jesus came along. As I said again, the one that could condemn to death didn't. Why? He showed mercy. He showed grace. And it was about to change this woman's life. This woman was on the brink of death. She knew exactly what death was going to be like because she was right there. And let me tell you what, they didn't stone with these little pebbles. They took two hands with huge rocks. And basically, if it didn't kill them to a, to a blow to the head, they would suffocate under all the rocks and die a slow death. She knew. She's seen it done before. This has happened before. This isn't the first time. This has happened before. And uh, so listen to this. The word sin... It's harmatano. It's the verb. It means to miss the mark. So why was she missing the mark? Because she was under the law, and the law condemns, and condemnation puts you on a path of sin. But when you remove the law, and you remove condemnation, it puts you on a path of righteousness. Listen to this. No more. Episco to avail toward that direction. So in other words, under the law, which she was condemned, it put her in a direction that she would live her life. But now that the law's been removed, condemnation's been removed, and grace has been put over her, now she's going to go in a different direction of life. See, if you're living under condemnation, your sin will keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, but the moment it's removed, you'll be free. And how often do we condemn people, not even realize what we're doing? And how powerful is that? Morning. So that was Jesus. What about Paul? What if I told you there was some men in the church? This is all hypothetical, by the way. I'm not talking about our church. I'm just saying in general. There were some men in the church, and they were going to a brothel and having sex with all the women. This is real stuff. This is in the Bible, okay? I'm not saying anything inappropriate here. This is real stuff. How would we feel about that? We wouldn't take too kindly to that, would we? Like, how dare they? Paul dealt with that with the church of Corinth. I love Paul. You know why? He stuck to what Jesus did. He gave grace. He didn't give law. Listen to this. This is what he told these, these men. So they're basically going and doing worship to other gods by 
sleeping with temple prostitutes. Right? Today, it's, it's a scandal. Let's expose them all. Let's pray. Let's pray their I saw in Texas one time somebody stole some gas or something, and they put their poster all over the TV, and then they, in, the, in, the, in the town that they lived in, they hung it up and like showed their face, thief, 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 thief. I bet you the person that actually put those up had their own garbage in their own life. Guarantee it. So quick to judge, though, right? Listen to this. So what does Paul tell them? I mean, what Paul is getting ready to tell them is absurd. I mean, Eric, how could Paul say this? Listen to this. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Present tense. Not that you were the temple of God and that you've done this. You're no longer the temple of God, but you've done this. And don't you know that you are the temple of God? He was establishing their identity in Christ. He was, he was blessing God for what he did through Jesus Christ and blessing man because now man are in Christ and the same identity they share. Wow. Then this last thing, you know what he does? Listen to this. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which the temple you are. Pretty harsh words. Right after he said that, it's almost contradicting, right? Doesn't that sound contradicting? Okay. Was he, listen. Was he talking to the people that were doing this or was he talking to people that were judging them for it? Listen, so let's look at a different translation. Let's look at the, uh, the Amplified. If anyone does hurt to God's temple or corrupts it with false doctrine... In other words, they would have gone and said, no, you're not the temple of God anymore. You're not the temple of God anymore. You're not the temple of God anymore. Corrupting it with false doctrine. Paul says saying that we're not who God says we are in Christ is false doctrine. Do you know what the law is all about? It's saying that we aren't who God says we are in Christ. Is. It's all false doctrine for us. And then that law with the condemnation that they're trying to put them under, they put themselves under it. And they condemn themselves, and condemnation brings death, whether it's slow or it's quick. Pretty interesting stuff there. And you can go look up some other versions, too, that show this. You know, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Anybody ever heard that before? Raise your hand. We've all heard that, right? God's name is never mentioned in there for being a judge. What is he saying? If you, under the law, judge people, you will be judging yourself. And the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's actually the permissive tense. It doesn't have anything to do with God. It has to do with us. But when your heart's full of grace, you won't judge. Yeah, we may fail here and there, but it won't be a lifestyle of judging other people. It won't be a lifestyle. So that was the second man. So the third man was my father. He was a, he was a, a great father, but he wasn't born again. 
And he was a very honorable man and had better character than most Christians I know. He, did, he got saved later on in life. Um, and so when I started getting into drugs, he would tell me, Eric, you're going to be a loser. You're going to be a loser. You're going to be a loser. So the one person that I needed affirmation from at that time in my life was him. He was condemning me. And you know what I did? I went out and did exactly what he said, became a loser. Words do matter. What we say matters. You know, this came up not because anybody in this room, it came up because of me, because I was doing that. Here, the grace guy. It was me. I'm preaching to myself. And I'm not condemning myself. I'm just realizing, you know what? I need to continue to get my heart established in grace so what comes out of it will be edifying and will impart grace to the hearers. See, this is easy for me to do this. I'm talking about when we go out and we deal with real life and people hurt us and things happen. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. You're so awesome. I thank you that you would give us a hunger and a thirsting to receive the grace of God and that we would be overflowed and out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths would speak. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.